Wise. Good morning, R.W. Good morning, Allison. A few decades ago, when I lived for a while on the backside of Mount Desert Island in a little section of West Tremont known as Richtown, I always loved the arrival of storms, especially at night, when I would linger on the beach that was part of the place that I rented and watch the way the energized surf tumbled the pebbles of the strand about, setting loose a display of sparkling phosphorescence. But eventually I would become sufficiently soaked from the storm that nature's edge-of-the-ocean light show would not be enough to keep me out in the elements, and I would be drawn toward the warmth of the wood stove in the cottage at the top of the beach. Along my pathway to shelter, I would think about how much of that pebble beach would have been displaced slightly out to sea by the time the storm had passed. I have long accorded those moments among some of my earliest, wrestling with the idea of actually owning waterfront and wondering what life might be like whenever a storm occurred and various quantities of one's property were carried off elsewhere so that steadily the size of one's property, storm by storm, would be lessened. Now that my girlfriend and I have been becoming gradually acquainted with the esker we purchased a few years ago along the Stillwater River in Old Town, the vanishing property phenomenon occasionally becomes a significant part of the picture. We call the place terraplen, a Spanish word meaning embankment, but the embankment also leads down to a peninsula, which, because it is so low, becomes difficult to access whenever the river rises, owing to snow melt, ice flows, and rainstorms. Sometimes we have quite a bit less land due to those factors, and the only things that remind us that we have that peninsula is the large trees that are rising out of the high water. When the water will be high is not entirely predictable, as during the past month when we tapped a couple of maple trees, one considerably large, and one of modest diameter. Things were working out all right up until the past few days. For a couple of weeks, knee-high rubber boots of the Wellington sort were adequate. Then last week, I needed to employ hip waders to ford the ever-widening cove between the Esker and the peninsula. And yesterday, chest waders were required. At Terraplan, we also have a number of wildlife residents who live there rent-free, Foxes, squirrels, chipmunks, mallard ducks, turtles, garter snakes, and a family of beavers. This latter set of tenants raises a little heck with some of the trees from time to time, but we're tolerant so far. Yesterday, however, the lead beaver, I'm assuming the father beaver, husband beaver, whatever, became extremely interested in my wading through the cove, so much so that he fired off at least 20 to 30 tail slaps while cruising submarine-like just below the surface in my vicinity, sometimes as near as only 30 feet away. My alternative approach to collecting, therefore, in a day or two might be by boat. After all, our canoe is at the ready and fresh from its most recent whitewater racing experiences on the Saudapskut stream this past Saturday and Marsh stream yesterday. The sow was at a moderate level, but Marsh stream was high, much like the Stillwater River at the moment. Yes, harvesting maple sap by canoe while showing the beaver who's boss. It's an idea, but I probably ought to give it some additional consideration. More on living with the animals on future editions of A Word in Edgewise. From Orono, Maine, have a great day. Why don't we go slow below the valley clouds? 